0: Pardes Institute of Jewish Studies. This is Pardes from Jerusalem. I'm Larry Kluger, Pardes alum. This week, HaZinu. As you enjoy the Sukkot holiday, please consider discussing the podcast with your friends. Your discussion about the podcast with your friends is what mostly increases our listenership. Thanks very much. Also for Sukkot, we now have the Pardes Sukkot Companion. It's available from Elmod, that's elmad.pardes.org. It's a pamphlet that you can print out at home and contains uh, readings and essays by our faculty about the Sukkot holiday. So check it out at Elmod, elmad.pardes.org. This week, Ha'azinu with Rabbi Alex Israel. Rabbi Alex Israel is a member of the Pardes faculty, and now Rabbi Alex Israel.
1: Thank you, Larry. Here we are in the aftermath of uh, Yom Kippur and looking forward to Sukkot. And this Shabbat, uh, as we approach Sukkot and there's a festive feel in the air, uh, we are going to read Shirat Ha'azinu one of the great poems of the Torah, Ha'azinu HaShamayim Va'adabera, Give ear, O heavens, and I will speak, V'tishmah Haaretz Imri And here, Moshe Rabbeinu Moses uh, gives the Israelites a poem, a poem which is meant to describe Jewish history and is meant to be a reminder of how um, history is going to pan out. Uh, we're told this in last week's parsha, where Moshe says, <inaudible> He says, Write down this poem, teach it to the people of Israel, put it in their mouths, in order that this poem will be a witness against the people of Israel. When I bring them into the land flowing with milk and honey, and I promise that the land I promised to their fathers and they eat their fill and grow fat and turn to other gods, this poem will confront them as a witness. I remember when I was in elementary school, I don't remember what grade it was, maybe a fourth grade, and uh, we reached the bit in the Torah where we get to Parashat Hazinu, Deuteronomy chapter 32, and our homework for that week was to learn the entire shirah the entire poem Ba'al per, off by heart and that Friday in our assembly which we always had on a Friday afternoon before Shabbat uh, our whole class got up and recited this poem uh, off by heart I remember still remember most of it to this day because what you learn when you're children you don't forget so easily and um, our teachers took it very seriously that this was meant to place it in their mouths it should be committed to memory because at some level this poem is a, a matrix of Jewish history. The notion that God brought us to the land. Israel Vaishman yushirun v'yivat Jeshurun the Jewish people got fat and kicked back rebelled against God and then is subjected to all sorts of punishment Uh, interestingly Ha'azinu does not give the punishment of exile which we saw earlier on in Devarim chapter 28 it seems like this is a matrix of troubles that would later befall the Jewish people even in their own land outside the paradigm of just exile and redemption and yet there is punishment, there is death and destruction and at the end there is the restoration of the Jewish people to a peaceful state of being. And what exactly is the point of this story? It would seem like the point of this story is very clearly um expressed by the verses in uh, Parsha Vayelech, last week's Parsha, when the people might turn after they have experienced the Uh, all sorts of troubles and they'll say maybe god is just not with us maybe god doesn't exist maybe god isn't here maybe god is just not amongst us and that's why we're having such a hard time that's why we are experiencing such calamity and god says no, no, no. I'm the one who is doing this. I'm there. I'm there all the time. I am merely hiding my face. In order to uh, recompense you for all of the um, evil that you have done. So this is the story that we are seeing in Parsha HaAzinu. And this week I'd like to focus on one particular aspect of um, the poetry here. Because poetry, of course, uses metaphors. And that is the relationship between God and Israel, which is dis- which is um, expressed here in the form of a relationship between a parent and a child. This begins in verse 4, where we already talk about uh, where that we're going to describe all sorts of um, abandonment of the Jewish people of God, and then God abandons us. And we start off by saying, Hatsur tamim The Rock, in other words, God, His deeds are perfect. In all His ways, He is just. El avel. God is faithful, never false. True and upright shichet lo is he the one who has been perverse lo banav mumam it is his children who have been the ones who have trespassed dor a generation who are crooked and um, lacking in correctness here we have the notion that we are called his children banav mumam and in the very next verse we talk about um Halohu avicha kanecha, hu asa v'yohonanecha. God is the father who created you. He fashioned you and he made you endure. We are God's children and God is our father. In fact, for those of you who were in shul on Yom Kippur, you will remember the famous piyut, ki anu we are your people, va'ata eloheinu. And you are our God, anu vanecha Ata avinu. In that poetry, we are your children and you are our father, avinu malkeinu, our father, our king. Uh, we have this notion that we could be, God could be our king and us his servants. But in this particular section, parasha verse chapter 32, God is not described as our king. He is described as a parent and we are his child. And uh, we see this continuing on if you look later on in verse nineteen, verse twenty and verse twenty one so there, for example, we read how um vayar hashem, Mikhas, God looked on and was upset um by his sons and his daughters, and he said, "I will hide my face from them, I will see how they fare in the end, for they are a treacherous breed." children with no loyalty in them they are we talk about emunah faith in god but emunah also relates to reliability they are unreliable children they are unfaithful children they don't know who is looking after them they are not faithful to their parent el. they anger me by saying that i am not their god and i will disown them as if they are not my people and once again, we have this notion of the relationship between God and Israel described as a relationship between a parent and a child. This seems to be something which isn't exclusive to Parashat Azinu, and I would argue that um, Sefer Dvarim, the book of Deuteronomy as a whole, frequently uses this metaphor, the parent-child metaphor, in order to describe the relationship between God and and his people. So I'll give you at least two more examples. One is in uh, Devarim chapter 8, when God is describing the journey through the wilderness. And he says there, um, Sometimes it was difficult. You starved. Um, you suffered. And I gave you the manna. That strange fruit, food, which nobody ever knew. And he says, what was I trying to teach you? Chapter 8, verse 5. Just like sometimes a parent will put his child through difficult situations in order to build him up, likewise, God is miyasrecha. He is also putting you through... All sorts of trials and tribulations. Later on in Sefer Devarim, in chapter fourteen, verse one, God says it explicitly: atem <speaking> Lashem <in Hebrew> uh, You are children to God. Lotit God to Do not cut yourselves, Um am because you are a holy people. You are children to God." I say this, uh, I'm dwelling on this uh, sort of description and depiction of us as children to God and as God as our parent, because other other metaphors could be used. And in fact, when you go to other places in Tanakh, you will frequently find a different set of um, ideas being used, the different matrix of the Israel God relationship, uh, one of which is the idea that Israel is a woman and God is a man, and they're in a state of love, in a state of marriage. Uh, sometimes uh, we quote the verses, uh, we read them, or we, we read them frequently in you know, the, the famous Haftarah But Haloch we read it on in our Rosh Hashanah davening, halach v'karata abaznei Yerushalayim call in the ears of jerusalem saying i remember the days of your youth this is god talking to israel through jeremiah Uh, the days of our marriage our honeymoon god says i tell you i told you come after me into the wilderness beretz lo in a place which was unsown. Here God is remembering romantically the wilderness years, not describing himself as the father and Israel as the parent, as he did in Devarim chapter 8, but rather describing um, a honeymoon where a a, a a couple who are madly in love want to leave society, want to leave the throngs, want to leave everybody else, and just um, take off to the wilderness so that they can be uh, blissfully um, alone and uh, without anybody around and here israel and and god are compared to as lovers now of course when israel sin and follow other gods this is then going to be scribed in books like Hosea and ezekiel Yechezkel, as an absolute betrayal and in a betrayal of a, a wife to her husband um abandoning the fidelity that is, is expected in the marital uh, covenant and therefore for example you will find very extreme language in as i mentioned hoshea in i'm reading now from ezekiel chapter 16 but confident in your beauty and fame you played the harlot you lavished favors on every passerby that, that was his and even more he says how sick was your heart declares the lord god Uh, you were like an adulterous wife who welcomes strangers instead of a husband of course if israel and god are a husband and wife um, then israel's idolatry is described as adultery and uh, israel is is uh, very severely punished for this uh, travesty for this breaking of the marital covenant and yet interestingly enough um, even even uh, when God reflects back over the Chorban, over the destruction of the temple and over the exile, sometimes He almost claims like He didn't quite do it and will say, for example, I'm reading now from Yeshayahu uh, Perek Nun, kritut? Where is the bill of divorce of your mother who I dismissed? God says to Israel, Isaiah chapter 50, oh, I never divorced your mother. Uh, we were just separated. We just had a tiff. We had a row. But I, when I exiled Israel, I didn't divorce her. The relationship is intact. Well, in fact, of course, that is not entirely true because um, a marriage can be contracted and a marriage can be dissolved. And of course, husband and wife, who were once uh, related to one another, can experience divorce and then not be connected. And this is where I return back to the metaphor used by the book of Dvarim. Why does Devarim focus on the parent-child bond and not engage in the metaphoric language of of, of God and Israel as husband and wife? You might even argue that there is a beautiful love between a parent and a child, but we could imagine that the romance between lovers as described, for example, the way the rabbis read Shir HaShirim, um, the Song of Songs, a love poem which the rabbis described as the very uh, tumultuous love of Israel and God, why did Devarim steer away from that metaphor? I'll offer two reasons. One possibility is that Devarim, which is very concerned with the dangers of idolatry, Devarim keeps on warning you're going to go into an, uh, the land, and the culture of the Canaanites is exceedingly idolatrous. Um, and you might follow their ways. Keep well away from it. It might well be that the book of Devarim steers away from describing the love of Israel and God as the love of a as, as the love of a, a wife to her husband, exactly because of the idolatry of Canaan. Because in Canaan, of course, there was the Baal and the Asherah the chief uh, gods of the land were described in male and female terms. The Baal, literally husband, the Asherah, frequently described as a woman. In fact, in their cultures, in their temples of Canaan, there were Kadesh and Kadeshah, male and female prostitutes who engaged in sexual acts in order to almost like play out, um, emulate to the gods what they should do. So if in Kanaan, Um, god was being described in male and female terms. one might argue that devarim so patently aware of the dangers of idolatry wanted to steer entirely clear of that of that bank of metaphors of that set of metaphors and simply describe the the love of god to israel as the love of a parent to a child so that's one possibility but there are a second possibility too and that is what I alluded to before. A marriage can be uh, dissolved. it can come to an end it can be terminated. but with parents and children, our parents will always be our parents, and our children will always be our children. Relationships can sour between a parent and a child. they can be estranged however. A parent will always be parent. I will always bear my parents' DNA. And likewise, my children will always be my children, whether the relationship is warm or the relationship is distanced. And here I want to take this further uh, to an amazing Talmudic passage in Masechet Kiddushin. In Kiddushin uh, Daflamadvav, chapter 36, where... Um, they take that verse in Devarim chapter 14, and there is an argument here about whether that is true, because Rabbi Yehuda bar Eli, uh turns around and says, you are sons to the Lord your God, uh, that is, when you act like sons to God, then you are called sons, or then you're called children, but if you don't act like children, you're not called my children. In other words, Rabbi Yehuda wants to claim that God has the capability if Israel rebel, if Israel abrogate the covenant, to actually reject the Jewish people. However, Rabbi Meir says, whichever way you are still called children. And in this regard, he quotes uh, Yirmiyahu, uh, chapter four, and he says here um He says, ami They are foolish sons. Banim hema. They are not wise. And he quotes this verse. He says, "Banim hema." They are still my children. And then he quotes the verse from Al Parsha. He quotes the second verse and he says, "Banim lo They are unfaithful children. And then. He quotes a third verse, a third verse, this time from Isaiah chapter one, uh, which reads, and these are lines which are read just before Tishabav, uh, B'av, where we read, goi am you sinful nation, full of sin, banim mashchitim, you destructive children." Rabbi Mayer here insists that however much Israel distance themselves from God, they will still be God's children. And the Talmud, in its typical way, asks to Rabbi Meir, why do you need all of these three phrases? And he says, well, I'll tell you exactly why. First, it calls them foolish. In other words, sometimes, and we might even describe this, sometimes a Parents can be uh, blessed with the child, but okay, the child's not so intelligent. And so the, therefore the, ty- the child doesn't always understand what is required of him. But the se- the second one says, children who aren't faithful. That's a different level. That's a level where a child rejects their parents. They're not faithful to them. They're not there when their children need them. Not because they lack the insight to understand what is need to be done for their parents but because they aren't faithful they don't value their parents they don't value the relationship and then they say to rabbi Meir, well, what about the third the third phrase and he says Banim what happens if the children even cause harm It's not just they're not there for their parents when their parents need them, that they're unfaithful to their parents, but they actually are mashchitim, they actually destroy things. And in each phrase, of course, what is used is the term banim. We are always God's children. And what I would like to say about this particular metaphor, as I say, Parsha Ta'azinu has some very beautiful aspects to it. You read the beginning of the Parsha, and it is such a powerful image of how um Hashem takes us out of um the category of the nations. Israel. Yes, God made seventy nations, but he started with the Jewish people in Egypt when there were only seventy souls who came down with Jacob to Egypt. And it describes how God, how a eagle eagle hovers over its nests, eagle hovers over its its, uh, chicks. Similarly, God spread his wings over the Jewish people and took them to the promised land. There are some very beautiful phrases which express the love of God to Israel. And yet, um, the assumption of this poem is that if Israel are not loyal to God, uh, some terrible calamities might befall them. And indeed, Jewish history is a, a tale of so many of these um, terrible occurrences which which um, befell the Jewish people. And yet, and yet, the metaphor of the parent and the child, where here it talks about banav uh, ubanotav, that we are God's sons and we are God's daughters, means that ki uh, anu we will always be your children. You will always be our parent. We insist, as the Talmud insists, as Rabbi Meir in the Talmud insists, that no matter our behavior, we are always um under God's protection. We are always God's people. And I think that is what we're going to celebrate in the Festival of Sukkot. We're going to go back to that out into out of our brick houses where we are self-sufficient and out to a flimsy hut outside in the cold or in the heat. And we are going to say that we are emulating and we are recreating the desert experience where it was exactly that relationship of a hike through the desert where God was the parent and we were the child and we had to learn uh, what it was like to be a child to this God. Uh, Maybe, and we hope, that it will also be like Jeremiah described, a honeymoon, a wonderful opportunity to be together with God. But one of the major messages which I draw from the book of Devarim in general and um, from Ha'azinu in particular is that no separation between Israel and God is possible. We are his children, he is our parent and that means an everlasting bond
0: for all time. Thank you for listening. Shabbat Shalom. Thank you Rabbi Yisrael. Thanks for tuning in and we'll see you on the next episode of Pardase from Jerusalem.